Well, today we're concluding in a series we've been in over the last several weeks called In This House. And if you're new here to Trace, this has given us an opportunity, this series has given us an opportunity to talk about some different things that we would say are important to us as a church. We would call these cultural distinctives. And so throughout this series, we've talked about things that we want to focus on as well as things that we want to avoid. Now, another way to describe that is called ethos. What is our ethos? Ethos is the characteristic spirit of a culture or community as manifested in its beliefs and aspirations, which means it's both who we are and it's who we want to become. And for our time together today, I actually want to lean on the latter part of that. I want to talk today about what if. Today, I want to invite you to dream with me a little bit. I want to talk about what could be if we all pressed into our faith a little, more, a little bit more deeply. I wanna challenge you to think about what could it look like for you in your personal walk with Jesus if you started to exemplify a little bit of what I'm gonna call crazy faith. And I want you to hold that thought. I'm gonna begin by reading to you from Hebrews chapter 12. And I wanna read today from the message paraphrase because it really does capture and depict this particular text in a very interesting way. So Hebrews chapter 12, excuse me, beginning in verse two. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside of God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, when you see that your strength is being diminished, just go over that story again and again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Anybody else want an adrenaline shot to the soul this morning? I'd take one of those. But can I start, can I start with an in a place of vulnerability for you? How many of you would be willing to admit today, and you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you would be willing to admit today that at one point in your life you would say that Jesus was center focus? that you kept your eyes fixed on him. You kept your eyes focused on him, but with time, something happened. Now, you might be able to point to what that was. It could be some concessions you made in life and faith. It could be some major compromises, or it was just a slow drift that you really weren't paying attention to. And even though you want him to be here, you would have to admit today that he's over here. And instead of being a priority, he's more in your periphery. And because he's in your periphery, I mean, you would say, I can still see him, I can still see him, but maybe you only look to him when all hope seems lost, when things aren't going the way that you hoped, when you need God to give you one of those miracle answers to prayer. And so maybe today you would say, like with everything in you, I want him to be here. I have to admit that he's here, but I want him to be here And I feel like I've tried to get back here. I feel like I've tried to put some steps in place to get Jesus back to this point in my life. But for whatever reason, I feel like I'm stuck and he's just staying over here. And I would tell you, and I'm sure you would agree, that it didn't happen overnight that he drifted over here. But here's the beauty of this. 
It can happen in a moment. Listen to me. It can happen in a moment for him to get back here. And that moment can happen today. All it takes is for 15 seconds of courage, 15 seconds of courage where you feel it deep within your bones and you make that decision. I'm making a bold move in my faith today. I'm making a bold move in the direction of Jesus again today, which means you're gonna start to have to define some lines. You're gonna have to start saying no to some things that you've been saying yes to and start saying yes to some things you've been saying no to. You're gonna have to start limiting some of the voices in your life that are informing your bias in the wrong direction. We're gonna talk about that today. But I'm here to tell you that it's only gonna take 15 seconds of courage for you today that if you wanna take Jesus from the periphery to a priority, that I promise, I promise it can happen today. Now, if I'm speaking to somebody, like maybe what I just said hit somebody to the core of their spirit. My guess is that that happened for many of you. I wanna let you know that even if you're ready to do that today, you are going to have some opposition. There's going to be some adversity coming at you and against you because you have a very real enemy that does not want to see you succeed in that. And his influence is throughout this world. It has permeated throughout this world. And even when you don't know it, there, are so, there is so much information. I would call it an abyss of information that is coming at you every day that's not rooted in the word of God. It's not rooted in the gospel. And it starts to pick away at your faith without even knowing that it's happened. And when you thought Jesus was here and he was the priority, if you allow this stuff to happen too long, then he'll end up in your periphery, if not altogether behind you. And so I just need to let you know today, because again, one of my jobs as your pastor is to define reality, and I want to define that reality for you, that you have opposition. You have opposition coming against you, but he that is in you, listen to me, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Let me talk about this idea of having a bias for a second. Because all of us have that, we get this, right? All of us have a bias. And that bias is being informed by something. Depending on the types of entertainment that you have and the different shows that you watch and the different people you hang with and different podcasts you listen to, those voices with time influence your bias. Which is why I would tell you that one of the most repeated pieces of, of advice that I've been giving, been giving people with more frequency lately has to do with a question around their bias. And I usually ask a question that sounds something like this. Who are you allowing to inform your bias? It's a great question to think through. Who are you allowing to inform your bias? Different shows, books that you read, podcasts you listen to, friends that you hang with. Who and what are you allowing to inform your bias? Because we all have a bias. Now, I'm your pastor, so I would tell you that if you're not allowing God's word to be the primary source of information that's informing your bias, it's going to be a lot easier for Jesus to slip into the periphery. It's just, it just is, which is why we want you to be in the word of God every day, not out of legalism. It doesn't make you a better Christian. It makes you know the truth, and the truth will set you what? Free. I would also tell you that as I'm talking with these people that are struggling, a lot of common things come up. And I start to ask them, well, why is it that your bias has changed? 
Why is it that your bias seems to be maybe bent against your faith versus for it? And after asking some probing questions, well, you know, I haven't really made church a priority, haven't been in God's word, probably haven't been spending enough time with God in prayer. Yeah, I probably have some friends who don't love Jesus, might be rubbing off on me a little bit more than I thought they would. Over the last several weeks, you've been hearing me use this word breakthrough. And I would tell you that more so than any other time in my ministry career, I've been praying for breakthrough. I've been praying for breakthrough for me. I've been praying for breakthrough for this church. I've been praying for breakthrough for you. I promise you, every single week, I'm praying for you more than you think. I want you to experience a breakthrough. And you know why more than any other thing, or at least somewhere at the top of the list, I want you to experience a breakthrough because that breakthrough will inform your bias unlike anything else in your life. Because when you have a breakthrough and you experience God doing something in your life that you didn't expect, that you cannot explain away, it was obvious that the work of God was in motion in my life, then that informs your bias and you begin to experience these breakthroughs where it's like, I don't care what anybody else says because my God did a breakthrough in my life and I'm holding on to that. I'm praying that you experience a breakthrough. And I have had these lyrics in my head for two weeks now and I cannot get them out of my head. We're gonna sing them together today. I know a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and he won't stop now. Anybody wanna say amen this morning? Amen. And Trace, if you don't know this, we as a church are experiencing a breakthrough right now. And I wanna unfold this for you because I think it's worth you knowing. And I'd begin this way. Post-COVID, if you pay attention to the trends, which we do, we pay attention to the trends. If you pay attention to the trends, you'll see that post-COVID, church attendance across the nation is down. People are attending church less, but not in this church. You are sitting in a church right now that is actually bigger now than it was pre-COVID. And the reason you need to know that is because that represents a very small amount of churches. And I'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back. So before you go there, just stay with me. Not only have we experienced our own breakthrough with experiencing something a lot of, or I shouldn't say a lot, most churches are not experiencing, but we have had more baptisms in this calendar year than any other year in our existence. Come on, somebody. I'm inviting you to dream with me today. I'm inviting you to go after something significant with me today. I wanna be a part of a church that's a trend changer. I wanna be a part of a church that doesn't just watch the statistics go down when it comes to church and involvement and life change and baptisms. I wanna be a part of a church that puts it in the opposite direction, amen? I'm inviting you to do something significant with me today. I don't know exactly what that is, but I've been praying for God to show us, to give us a breakthrough, to practice what, again, I'm, causing, I'm calling crazy faith. For those of you that were here a couple weeks ago, you heard me talk about the story of a young lady who came here here recently because she was working, 
in her dental office where she works and somebody invited her and she came and she's experiencing a breakthrough and I think she's getting baptized today. Yeah, you can give it up for that. Last week after the sermon, I had a gentleman come up to me. He's been coming here for years and he would likely tell you he's coming more for his family than himself and I've had conversations with him over the years and he's just got a lot of doubts. I would tell you he's been in kind of this perpetual state of doubt of not knowing for sure if he can, he can trust all this stuff that we're doing and whether or not all this is true. Last week he came up to me after the sermon and with tears in his eyes and to the surprise of his wife, said, Aaron, I just need to let you know that I had a breakthrough today. He didn't make a confession of faith yet, but something happened in his life. I believe a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. My God made me a promise and made you a promise and he won't stop now. I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to dream with me today, church. I'm inviting you to invite God into your life in deeper, more meaningful ways, pressing, pressing in and watching God do things that we didn't even expect I want this text from Ephesians chapter three to become true for you and true for me. Now to him who is able to do. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. And those three words are worth slowing down for far more abundantly than what we could ever ask or think according to the power at work within us. And let's just slow down there for a moment. Like I'm not gonna get up here and over sensationalize a bunch of stuff. So I'm gonna... I wanna get real with you for a moment. If you struggle with inviting this idea of God's abundance into your life, like welcome to the club. And I didn't realize how much I struggled with this until I was with a friend a few weeks back. Emily and I both were, and he challenged me. He said, Aaron, I really do believe that you need to open yourself up more to the abundance of God, at least more often. I I think you should open yourself up more to the abundance of God more often. And so I started thinking, because man, it hit deep. When When he made that statement to me, it hit deep. And so I started processing through my own life and I'm like, why don't I do that? And the quick answer is because I can so clearly see my own limitations. I can too clearly see my own limitations to invite the abundance of God into my life at times. I mean, you could go listen to better preachers. You could go follow better leaders. You could go to churches that are a lot nicer than this one. Sometimes I look at what resources we don't have and focus on all the things that we can't do which keeps me from inviting the abundance of God into my life and into this church even. But listen to me, I don't wanna do that anymore. I don't wanna do that anymore. And I don't want you to do that anymore either. I want to invite the abundance of God in this church, in my life. I want you to invite the abundance of God into your life. And if you're thinking immediately of just kind of like financial type things, I would tell you, you're thinking way too narrowly because I want the abundance of God's courage in my life. I want an abundance of spiritual passion only led by the Holy Spirit. I want an abundance of opportunities to point people to Jesus. I want an abundance of God's favor in the life of this church so that we can experience even greater growth, not because we're trying to grow this kingdom, but because we're trying to grow God's, amen? I want an abundance of God's power through the Holy Spirit being represented in this church and breakthroughs become 
They become the normal thing around here because of our willingness to come with great expectations for God to do what only he can do. Church, I want to have some crazy faith. Some crazy faith. I want to dream bigger dreams. I want to pray bolder prayers. I want to exercise more courage in our conversations about Jesus. Can we stop limiting God's abundance through our own limitations? Can we stop doing that? I wanna show you something the, that Jesus said to the apostle Paul once, and what happened is Paul noticed his own limitations. And he was pointing out those limitations to God. It's like, hey God, if you could fix this for me, I probably could do a lot more. Would you take this from me? And Jesus says, hold on, Paul. Like, that's not a surprise to me. I know what that limitation is. And then he says, my grace though, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. I think Paul then gets it. He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Can I say something that I would encourage many of you to write down? Don't ever measure God's capabilities through your capacity. Don't ever measure God's capabilities through your capacity. I'm gonna say it one more time. I'm gonna say it differently. Stop measuring God's capabilities through your capacity. Dream bigger dreams. Pray bolder prayers. Exercise more courage. Where can you specifically ask for God's perfect power to show up in your life? And the reason it's perfect and the reason he doesn't come in and just remedy all of the things that we ask him to remedy is so that when things do happen and breakthroughs do take place and you do overcome those huge obstacles that you thought weren't, you weren't able to overcome on your own, when that happens, you can only point to him and his perfect power. It's 100% obvious that, that it was him. And so let me just ask some rhetorical questions to you this morning. Are you limiting what God can do in your marriage because of your capacity? Are you limiting what God can do in the life of one of your kids? Are you limiting what God wants to do in and through you because all you can see is your limitations? I know a breakthrough is coming. <laughs> I know a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I see a miracle. Our God made us a promise and he won't stop now. Every now and then I will journey uh, through my past, which can be a painful experience. But it also reminds me of what God is capable of. And if you'll give me a moment, I just wanna, I wanna unfold this for you. I mentioned earlier that I had a breakthrough moment, that there was a moment in my life where I had 15 seconds of courage that truly changed the trajectory of my life. Now for me, it was being in jail with my second DUI. And I knew I was on a path that I didn't want to go down any longer and I truly repented and I invited God to come and be the leader and Lord of my life. Made some drastic changes, bold moves, a bold moment. But just like I mentioned earlier, on the other side of that bold move was adversity. On the other side of that bold move was some opposition because the enemy was trying to discourage me and take me out. So let me kind of unfold this for you. 
Soon after making some of those big changes in my life, I tried to get involved with something called Big Brothers and Big Sisters. It's a mentoring program where you can help at-risk teens and kids. And being a young man who made a lot of very poor decisions, I wanted to help young men that were potentially making the same mistakes as I did. But they looked at my record and they said, hey, we can't allow you to help. And so my record disqualified me. For a season, I dropped out of college I tried to get a job at my home church that I loved, but I didn't have any experience in ministry at that point or a Bible degree, and so they turned me down. I tried to start a Christian business called Lord's Gym, and about halfway through, my business partner had a huge moral failure, and along with some other things, it fell apart. But I kept pushing, and I kept praying because I had just enough crazy faith to think that God could do something through a messed up, broken guy like this. So I went back to school and I got my bachelor's degree and I accepted a job at a church in Arizona who hired me without a Bible degree and then they paid for me to go to seminary where I finished my master's with a 4.0. And the only reason I tell you that is because that is a miracle in and of itself if you knew the lack of scholastic whatever in this guy. So while in Arizona, I still wanted to help at-risk teens. And so I found an organization called Rite of Passage. Uh, they're one of the largest school systems in the nation that actually bring young men specifically on their campus to live after they've gotten in a lot of trouble. And while they're there, they have to practice uh, in both a sport and some kind of occupation to get them ready for the future. And I got more and more involved and ultimately became the chairman of their board. And while being the chairman of their board, I started some conversations and became strategic in, in some conversations to get them to allow a church to come and build on their property because they had a lot of land that they weren't using. This is a government-funded agency. And so a church came and was built on their property, and since then, hundreds of boys have given their life to Jesus. Can I get an amen and praise God this morning? And along with some incredible people, I didn't start another business, but six years ago, we started a church from scratch, and since then, 284 people have been baptized. Yeah. Do you know why I know a breakthrough is coming? Because by faith, I've been a miracle. Aaron, it sounds like you're bragging. <laughs> That's because I am. I'm bragging on the perfect power of God that used me in spite of my limitations. And he wants to use you in spite of yours. Do you know what would have sounded crazy to me 25 years ago? Crazy. It would have sounded crazy if somebody were to tell me that, Aaron, there's gonna be a day where somebody's gonna be telling their faith story, there's gonna be a day where somebody's telling a story about how they came to know Jesus and you're gonna be a part of that. Do you know what I want for you? I want for every one of you to be a part of someone else's faith story. You, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you. I want all of you to be a part of someone else's story because of your willingness to bring Jesus back into focus. Instead of allowing him to live over in the periphery, 
that you made him a priority once again, that you start practicing crazy faith. And you might say, oh, not me, pastor. I mean, I don't know that much about the Bible. I feel awkward talking to people about faith. I mean, if you knew my story, you would know that that's, that's very unlikely to happen, to which my answer to you would be nope. Nope. I'm not gonna receive that, and I don't want you to receive that. Nope. God wants to show you his perfect power and your limitations. And what you would point out is your weaknesses. Don't ever measure God's capabilities in your life because of your capacity. Two DUIs, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, concealed deadly weapon, attempt to elude an officer, possession of alcohol as a minor, trespassing, college dropout, failed business. If it was up to you and me, we might as well throw in the towel now. But I know... (laughs) I know, I know a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I've been a miracle. My God made me a promise and he made you a promise and he's not gonna stop now. Yeah, I see your limitations. We all see our own limitations. But Jesus says, guys, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in that weakness. So if you want to point it out, go ahead and point it out. But don't let it keep Jesus from being your priority. Guys, today I want us all to move towards crazy faith. I want us to dream bigger dreams, pray bolder prayers, and exercise more courage when it comes to talking about Jesus. Jesus might be here. Best thing you can do today is start with a foundation of truth so that we can actually be self-aware. He might be here. 15 seconds of courage. One bold move today can move him from here to here. I believe one of the best things that you can do to get that, that momentum going in that direction Again, you'll hear me refer to it as just long obedience in the same direction. That's what following Jesus is. It's long obedience in the same direction. I believe it starts with making what we do here on Sunday a priority. I think you know this. There are 168 hours in a week. It's amazing what we will do sometimes to not make this one hour that God wants us to set aside. And for what it's worth, he wants us to set aside a lot more than that. But this was his idea. This wasn't my idea for us to gather together. But it's amazing what we can put in place of making this one hour a priority. And I'm not the church police. But the reason I'm taking this moment right now to emphasize this even stronger is because I'm the guy that has the majority of conversations where I hear people as they drift away from God. And then I hear that, oh yeah, church wasn't a priority any longer, being in God's word wasn't a priority, being in a small group, serving other people in the name of Jesus. Strong prayer life. But I have also noticed that when this, when you start here, and this becomes a priority, and if you were with us last week, I talked about how even just one moment of genuine, passionate, surrendering worship could lead to the breakthrough that you've been looking for. Something happens when we worship God, we open ourselves up 
in a different way to where we just feel the presence of God come in and take up more residence in our life, where else are you getting to experience that? Where else do you get to see people get baptized and confess Jesus as their Lord and Savior that reminds us of our own confession at one point in time and inviting him to be the leader of, of our life? Where else do you open yourself up with hundreds of other people to worshiping God and reminding yourself and him that he's worthy of our praise? I believe when those things happen, you've heard me say it this way before, when we gather in agreement, when we gather in agreement and we invite the presence of God, that his power and his presence is made more available to us, which means when this becomes a priority, that one little red dot, that one hour of 168 hours, when this becomes a priority, Jesus starts to come back into focus and it starts to permeate through all the other hours of your week, all the other hours of your life. And what that does, it helps you to start to be more aware of the voices in your life that are trying to pick away at your faith. The other avenues, maybe the other areas of your life where you, have, you haven't defined a line, and you've heard me say this, undefined lines are the easiest ones to cross. But when you make this a priority, now you start to see more clearly, oh, that's a lie from the enemy. That's a, that's a clear tactic of the enemy trying to take me out. I'm gonna stand firm against that. I'm gonna speak the power of Jesus over that. Yep, I've got my limitations, but God's power is made perfect in my limitations. And you begin to allow, you, you'll begin to allow God to work, not just in this one hour, but throughout all the other 167 hours throughout your week. Guys, I want us to make this a priority, not because I'm the church police, but I, I truly believe that when this becomes a priority, because it was a priority for, from God, that it starts to per, permeate throughout the other areas of our life. And even though Jesus maybe had been in our periphery, he starts to become our priority once again. And when Jesus becomes your priority, you'll start practicing some crazy faith. And when you start practicing some crazy faith, breakthroughs are coming. <laughs> I know a breakthrough is coming. By faith, I've been a miracle. My God and yours, he made us a promise and he's not gonna stop now. I'm gonna pray for us right now and then I'm gonna lead us into a response. It's gonna be a little bit longer than usual and I'm gonna challenge us on a couple things. But before I do, uh, just pray with me. So God, I believe I have presented the information that you have led me to communicate this morning. And Father, I pray, I pray that people would begin with a posture of honesty first. And if you truly have drifted over into their periphery and are no longer a priority, God, that we would start there. Now we know that we have an enemy that wants to heap shame on us for that, but you didn't come to put shame on us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You came to take the shame off of us. And so God, I pray that we would not spend any time, any unnecessary time wondering if we've been forgiven, wondering if your grace is sufficient for us because it is, it is. Father, I pray that you would help us to stop, to stop limiting your capabilities because of our capacity. Father, I pray that we would start to invite you to work more deeply in our lives, but we know it can't just be you coming our direction. We have to come yours. And so God, would you show us what it looks like to press in, to press into our faith more deeply. Father, I pray 
that even what has been spoken today has led someone to their own breakthrough, has led someone to experience exactly what they needed to step out of what they've been stuck in. Father, I pray that you would use these next few moments to do even greater things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.